Hi, I'm John M. Ketchum. I'm the author of The Zero's Journey, a modern-day survival guide to weathering accidental enlightenment. And you're listening to The Living Sugar-Free Lifestyle Show with Andrea in the morning. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world and whatever time you're listening at Hey, y'all, this is the Living Sugar-Free Lifestyle Show, Andrea in the Morning. I am your host, Andrea Raquel, the social entrepreneur and sugar-free coach. And y'all know, y'all know, I mean, I don't know my head from my elbow. So whatever mistakes or confusion happens today, or if we go off tangent, roll with it. I think this series is going to (laughs) be random awesomeness because there's a lot of people that I've been meaning to talk to. And now that we have this opportunity, you know, we're going to go ahead and do that. Some awesome content, information and resources and wisdom and all that. And you guys, today I have the awesome Joe Vallon. He is the author of Unkillable Joe, and he's also um, a podcast host and his podcast is called The Mighty Pen. And he's just the bomb, the whole comic book series, everything so much. I just want to introduce you. Hey, hi, welcome to the show. And thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. It's good to talk to you again. Thank you. Did I say any any of that wrong? Correct me if I messed up any of the titles. Cause no, I'm just going to start putting like my business cards keep changing. So I think I'm going to start putting like Renaissance Man on it because <laughs> I, I think that's that's right because I'm interested in everything. So I want to make everything. And see, you guys, I was just telling him right before we started that, you know, he fits right in because that's it's it's so funny. We've even talked about that lately on recent series with other guests and co-hosts about the whole Renaissance thing and all of these amazing polymaths and how we're sort of ushering in a new age right now. And it's so crazy that what's going on is going on right now because I actually have messaged a couple of people and been like, so what do you think? Is this, you know, is this in line with your theory? Because what are we doing now, Joe? Are we, everybody's kind of reflecting, turning in, doing more art, writing, Mm -hmm. getting back to growing stuff from home and et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. What do you think about that Renaissance man? Well, there's, there's definitely a silver lining to it. And that is, you know, we were quickly becoming one of the most vapid countries on the planet. And now even, you know, the most superficial of us has to appreciate a bar of soap, has to appreciate a roll of toilet paper, right? And um, in that sort of instant transformation, I mean, the panic buying is very dumb and, and, you know, nobody needs that. However, what it has done in a good way is, you know, Real spoiled people that never gave this stuff a thought before in their lives are now starting to. And the people that have always thought about and appreciated the everyday necessities are sort of vindicated in, you know, you saved up a little bit beforehand or whatever. So there's some good aspects of it. I mean, and then there's more art coming out. I personally have a a bad writer's block right now. And I don't know what it is. I have all the time in the world. I could write whatever I wanted to. I could probably knock out a whole novel this month. But, you know, just nothing's coming out. So I'm doing a lot of like podcast stuff, you know, Twitch streaming, you know, the other end of our business and promoting our Kickstarter. So if I think if you have writer's block and, and you're like a renaissance person, you have a whole bunch of little businesses, um, you can be you can be at a standstill at one of them. You just got to jump to another one and be productive there. And at least this way you're kind of moving forward. Other than that, um, we've been pretty content. This is like day seven lockdown for us, Lily and I. So 
not not too bad so far. We haven't killed each other yet, so that's good. Uh, she's smiling at me now. So a normal extrovert or a normal introvert normally in random, you know, without the social distancing and such that's been mm-hmm. placed on us now. Are you more extroverted normally? Um, Lily says I am. I would say I'm an introvert. A lot of people say I'm an extrovert, but I, I don't think that's the case. It's just that when I'm out in public and people are around, I prefer to take charge of the situation so this way I'm not nervous. You know, if I just sit around listening, I'm, I'm, I'm a poor listener and I'll get nervous. So if I act like I, I have a plan, I know what's going on, follow me, you know, come on, troopers, let's go get this done. Uh, people tend to like that. <laughs> they just kind of, you know, they kind of do it. So when I'm out, I'm kind of an extrovert. Uh, but when I'm home, I'm very, very happy and much more comfortable. Same with Lily, I would say. So So you sound actually more like a lot of ambiverts and uh-huh. introverts that I know, as well as myself. See, for me, because I've just always been trained in broadcasting and communications mm-hmm. and retail, and also, too, because of now the age of the Internet. You know, I'm a Gen Xer. I'm old school. We didn't have all this. Mm-hmm. It's easier for us now because we are able to do the one-to-many thing, which is more comfortable for many of us. You know, of course, some introverts haven't, you know, gotten this part of life, you know, or whatever, whether, you know, whether they desire to or not. But, you know, for those of us who have that, this part of it, you know, this, these different businesses you mentioned, this is even better for us because now we're able to do it in a way that's more comfortable, if you will, we're able to control our, you know, social environments and et cetera. Mm -hmm. But also a lot of us do what you just described because that's, that it's not really the same thing as extroversion, you know, mixing and mingling with the crowd, especially Mm -hmm. if you are a polymath leader and you tend to have solutions, it's way Mm -hmm. more comfortable to do what you described which kind of confuses people and makes you look like an extrovert sometimes. But I actually test on all the tests I've ever taken, really, in my adult life. I test 50-50 on both sides, which makes me look like an ambivert. But I really, from childhood, am an introvert and prefer, you know, the solitude. But the one-to-many I can do, and I'm good at it. But it doesn't doesn't make you an extrovert. It's not the same thing. Right, right. I'm not even familiar with a couple of those terms. What What does ambivert mean? So I just learned it. So let me not sound like I'm all smart. (laughs) And I don't know necessarily if it's new or if it's, you know, a lot of things aren't necessarily new. We're just discovering them because of the Internet. But Mm -hmm. ambivert basically is those people that are halfway between the two. You're not an extrovert. And ironically, I also learned that because, you know, I'm on the spectrum. I'm on the autism spectrum. And when they talk about the spectrum, it's just like the horoscope. It's a big round circle. And really, Most people don't talk about it this way, but I believe everybody fits somewhere on it, you know, Mm -hmm. and whether it's, you know, OCD, ADHD, but actually introversion and extroversion is on there as well Hmm. because they're extremes. Anything that's an extreme will land you on the spectrum chart. Right. And so ambiverts are actually that's really the preferred norm, whatever thing you want to call it, that you're you're able to kind of function in either situation and be productive and be happy and whatever. So you're 50 50 comfortably. You're an ambivert, but you Mm -hmm. can be an introvert and look like an extrovert just because Mm -hmm. of training and life and whatever. That's me. I'm not an ambivert. Right. Right. Yeah, it was um, basically I I, you know, I just had a I've been through a lot of different lifestyle cycles in my life. And um, I think what that does is that now that I'm kind of probably settled into my fully grown adult male personality, um, you know, a lot of the old ones don't really fit with like, you know, 
knocking out bills and building your credit and uh, not driving your partner crazy or, you know, being a good example to children or any of this other stuff. So a lot of what was your personality before you get all these responsibilities needs to either shed or go uh, into storage, you know, for a while. And what happens is, is like when I get tired, old aspects of myself come out or if I like get drunk or something silly. Uh, so Lily is generally my not just like my girlfriend slash manager, but also like handler where she'll be like, oh, you're getting weird. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, good. Let's go to the room and okay. retire. For I them. love that. Yes, yeah. I love that. Yeah. So we, we we got each other's back. Then it, also, if I'm if I'm feeling annoyed, or I also have a really bad temper, you know, that I've battled my whole life against. Um, uh, if I look at her and I say, you know, I I think it's time to go. She'd be like, yeah, cool. Let's let's grab my coat and I'll say goodbye and we're out. And that's it. Mm. So if I want to go, we're gone. So those th- between those two things, I don't get too much anxiety anymore. Uh, we just started doing tables and stuff before this whole crisis happened, and um. Our tables went fine. Everything was fine. I wanted bigger ones. You know, I was like, you know, we, we did good. We can make more money at bigger tables. I want a bigger crowd. Where else can you book me? And then she's like, oh, here, here, and here. So we're like, cool. So we booked out the whole year. I'm I'm set to appear all over the place this whole year. And then this thing happened. So I'm like, crap, that goes are, a huge are any a- of them aspect talking of about virtual events? Yeah, they're bringing up virtual events, but it's kind of... I don't know. I have to look more into it. I generally try not to give a lot of thought to the marketing and or business anymore. I sort of do uh, – I'm on the creative side. I do all the writing, and I pair up with the artists and all that stuff. Lily is the business side of things. She books me everywhere. She um, you know, deals with our taxes. She reads over contracts, uh, things like that. And then she's also representation for uh, other talent as well. We all need a Lily. You're, you're, yeah. I tell her I'm – I can't. I'm trying to figure out what I'm supposed to even say. Not fist bump even anymore. What we're gonna ankle bump? Okay? <laughs> ankle <Here>. bump. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. No, she's she's really good. And this is, you know, again, this is full transparency. This is a new job for Lily as well. We met and started to date. And in that time, I said, whoa, 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 I'm doing really good. <laughs> like I'm very, very productive. I, I had no money or anything. I was renting a room at the time, and. uh but the writing was going really, really well. I was cranking out like at least 2,000 words a day, um, period. I was staying ahead of like eight comics. I wrote a novel. In a quick amount of time, I carried two jobs for over a year. Um, it was just a really productive – I got in great shape. Very productive. I was like 35 or something. Or no, 30, 37, excuse me. So uh, getting a little bit older. And then I met Lily, and uh, you know we clicked, and we hooked up. And then from right there, I was like, "Uh oh, <laughs> you could jeopardize my entire operation because I'd rather hang out, <laughs> get anything done." And uh, she's like, "Well, I promise not to do that." And I said, "Well, let's just put something in place right now to make sure we don't screw this up by like, you know, just getting distracted." Yes, yes, yes. If we're gonna spend all of our time together, let's. Um, you said something on one of your podcasts and that's when I fell in love with y'all and I was like, okay, I'm hitching my wagon. Um, one day you said, um, I don't have friends. Mm -hmm. The people who get involved with what I do and that I work with and we're productive together. Those are who my friends are. And brother, if I was like, that is me. Oh my God. Mm -hmm. And I have always felt that way. 
but I haven't hmm. always done a good job of exercising. Like, don't get me wrong. I have friends that are outside the industry, too. Uh, you know, I, like I said, I had a lot of different lives so far. Yes. So it would be wrong to discard everybody, especially people that are loyal to you. Um, well, of course. Right. But right. That, but what you just said is key, though. But They're as far as acquiring to- new ones, I do have a criteria. And it, and it does sort of fit that. Too, but then also, too, even what you just said, those mm-hmm. ones that are loyal to you, everyone is valuable or productive in their own way. Oh, they don't sure. necessarily have to be particularly working on the comic with you. Maybe there's some completely other thing. You know, you guys serve at some charity somewhere. You guys, you know, that's the most encouraging person, you know, or whatever. They're all sort of contributing to oh, for sure. the productivity of who and what it is you're trying to be. And if not, then you're just hanging out, you know? Exactly. And I'm always looking for a way to promote my buddies, even if, you know, I have a friend that's a plumber and this must be like a really busy time for him, you know? So if, you know, we're not living in the same state anymore, but, you know, anytime I see somebody in South Florida that's in need of a plumber, I direct them to him. And it's just like a job for my boy, you know? Um, That's, that's fine. If I have a buddy that's been doing the same, uh, we don't swear on your podcast, do we? Is this a non swear podcast? I gave you the disclaimer before we started. You're not supposed to ask me because if you ask me, then it's like I'm condoning it. But uh, fair enough. Okay. Is, I, can be, I can be a gentleman I, anyway. Do, no, do I come across like as prudish? Like, just so, no, I mean, I know we don't know all. each other that well, but like, you haven't caught on to the fact that like I'm a soldier and a curse word might slip out of my mouth every now and then. I know you are. I'm just not that familiar with your platform okay. yet. So I wasn't okay. sure who your sponsors were and so on. So, but okay. I will say this. Here's, here's, here's the rule. Okay. Yes. Living sugar free is about not being a slave to anything or anybody. So that means if anybody has a problem with you on my show right now and anything that you might say, period, that has anything to do with anything, they're mm-hmm. probably not in my audience because I don't roll go. like that. There you go. OK, about. good, good, good enough. Makes sense. So and I like that. And I think that um, also one of my battles in life is with sugar, which is really funny. I've always, you know, I've kept myself in reasonable shape throughout the years. But I always have a sweet tooth, always have. And it's a it's a rough thing, especially now down in, in quarantine. Um, you know, why not? You know, you're just kind of sitting here. So this is kind of like a rough time to, to be fighting sugar. Yeah, we all do. It's not just you. You're not like unique. And that's like everybody. There's very mm-hmm. few people that I've ever met who are like, oh, I, I sugar. That's not my thing. But even usually when people say that, if I break down and ask them and find out exactly what all the things are they eat and drink, it's in there somewhere. It's our society is designed that way. It's not you. It's not right. period at all. You, I have it too. still, even though I'm the, sh- and, and I'm not the sugar-free coach because I don't eat sugar. It's just, that's one of those strange divine ironies that happened. A friend mm-hmm. of mine called me the sugar-free coach and I took it when we first got on the internet in the early days, because I'm always saying whatever comes out of my mouth, whatever is on my mind is what comes out of my mouth. Sugar-free. I don't, even when I was, Oh, that makes sense. I don't do the sandwich, an insult between two compliments. If you did it wrong, I'm just going to tell you you did it wrong. I'm not mad at (laughs) you, but let me show you how to fix it. You know? So it's right. But the reason I don't eat sugar is because I was really sick when I was young and I found out about candida and how, you know, if you have too much 
dairy and sugar buildup, which dairy is sugar lactose, but it, it festers this, you know, Mercer and uh, Candida, uh, um, uh, what is the upper respiratory one when you get, oh, strep, all of those are like bacteria and they fester in your body. And Candida is like the main cause of like everything, everything, oh. everything from head to toe in men and women. So I did the whole six month cold turkey thing. And only because I did that, it killed off the candida in my body, and it also killed off the taste for sugar in my taste buds. So after that, I tried to eat one of those big brownie sundaes, which is like one of my favorite things on the planet, and I couldn't even really eat it. I only took a few bites. And so now, you know, once a month and just, you know, a bad day, whatever, if somebody makes me a birthday cake or, or somebody, oh, nobody feels like cooking, you know, what's cheap? Oh, we're going to order some pizza. I'm not going to be a snob. And I do eat it every now and then. But if I do it too many days in a row, I'll start getting hives or um, mucus in my chest or whatever. So that's the only reason that I'm so good about not eating sugar. It's not because I just want to or because I want to be skinny or I'm not that good. I'm not. I just don't want to die. You right. know what I mean? Right, I don't want right, right. to die from something that I can prevent, you know, but I'm not a prude about it at all. And I don't lecture other people about what they eat. They're shaming people on the Internet because a lot of autistic people can only eat stuff that they like. And mm-hmm. I don't do that. I don't believe in all that. Living sugar free is about doing what's best for you. Whatever that looks like, if you're a vegetarian or you eat keto or whatever, you want to be 300 pounds, that's you. I just want you to be happy and be productive and pay it forward and love others. And that's mm. it. Well said. Period. Well said. So, yeah. And I, I have noticed that when I do behave on the weeks that I have been behaving with it um, and I do get like, you know, I eat something really sweet. Uh, you really feel it. Yeah. Like, that's when you notice it is when you took a little break. Yeah. You know, like if you eat, if you eat sugar all the time, like, I mean, we were raised on it. You know, I yep. don't even notice it. However, if I behave for a little while and then I eat it, I'm like, whoa, man, this it's yep. very um, it reminds me of a certain drug in particular from my youth. And uh, it's really fun. It's just like a different uh, dosage. That be the white girlfriend cocaine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And yeah. it's just, um, you know, same with caffeine. When you take yep. a big break from caffeine and, and you get a headache. Yeah, you'll get a headache. You, you get like a little mini hangover from it. So yep. sugar hangovers too. Actually, a lot of real hangovers come from the sugar and booze. I'm sorry? Did you know sugar, sugar is processed the same way cocaine is? Is it? I didn't know that. Yeah, like sugar cane and, and it's all sugar, even even doing honey and stuff like that, you have to be careful with. But the more raw sugar and, and honey, the more stuff like that you can do, the better. But mm-hmm. it's that white bleached processed stuff that's really, really bad for you. Mm-hmm. So even sense. if you do, if you're having bad sugar cravings and you just up fruit will satisfy it, especially if you're not kind of off the deep end with it. If you don't have it really bad mm-hmm. and you're noticing differences and how it affects you, that means you're like right on the fringe. You can kill those cravings with things like um, almond milk and um, almonds and, um, mm-hmm. you know, um, jam preservatives that are real fruit, and you know, fruit, apples, anything that's a healthy sugar, it will help you kill the craving and not put you all the way over to the other edge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We eat, a, we eat a lot of oranges, especially lately. I love yeah. oranges because mm-hmm. mm, that's a lot of vitamin C too. So good. For yeah. You. Yeah. So you said we were raised on it. Are you a Gen Xer or are you a millennial? I was born in 80. So whatever that lands okay. me, I don't know. I don't know. I can't keep up. And it's, I think you're on one of those good cusps. 
because the eighties babies are supposed to be really cool too. But I, mm-hmm. I, I think that, you know, the Gen Xers weren't necessarily raised on sugar because a lot of our parents, the boomers were sort of old fashioned country. We had a lot of gardens and, and it's funny because a lot of the things that are on the superfood charts are stuff that we just grew up eating, like, you know, potatoes and beets and spinach mm-hmm. and tomatoes and all that kind of stuff. So I think, I'm not sure, I'm not a scientist, I'm not a doctor, I'm not that kind of doctor. But mm-hmm. I feel like, like you just said, when you lay off of it and then you do it, it impacts you more. I've had people that I've helped to get off of sugar and then when they fall off, they're like, Andrea, oh my God. And, but whereas before you were just used to it and even though you had issues, you didn't notice them and they weren't extreme, you know? Right. And so I feel like because we weren't necessarily raised on sugar, we don't have such an immunity to it. That's why maybe more of us have, and I, I haven't seen the numbers, but I suspect more of us have issues with it. Like right. you said, lay off of yeah. it. And you know, the 80s was like more of just a time of surplus for everything. I don't know if it necessarily had more sugar content. I mean, it's probably the same as now. It's just everybody had more food, period. And the 80s was sort of like the soda revolution. And mm-hmm. um, soda was really big then, and we didn't know it was bad yet. And, mm-hmm. um, and there's Soda machines drink, were in all the schools. Even drinks like Tang and stuff, which is still like a staple in a, yep. a, a prepper's yep. uh, pantry, um, mm-hmm. is just loaded up too. So like, I think it was just like a time like that. Uh, what probably saved me was I being an '80s kid uh, and, and a little dude. I was uh, inspired by a lot of like the big muscly action stars of the day, you know. So for me, like Schwarzenegger and Stallone and you know, even Van Damme, I was a big fan of uh, growing up and stuff like that. These guys were all like shredded on steroids and stuff. And now, um, where did you grow up? oh, right. That was before we knew steroids were bad, too. Well, I didn't even know what steroids were. I mean, I was just no, no, a little no, kid. I, mean, I, thought, yeah. I thought wrestling was real bad. Said, you know, you said a lot of them were on steroids, but that was back before we knew steroids were bad and before people were getting in trouble for it. So you're right. A lot of them, you yeah. know, a lot of our muscle icons were on steroids because we didn't well, know. And they still don't really know anything about steroids because it's illegal. So right. they can't perform all the like double blind tests you would need to give you empirical data. So there's actually studies to, to suggest that boosting your testosterone for a male could increase your lifespan significantly. So there's like some weird stuff with that, but, but neither here nor there. The point is, is that, you know, I always thought I needed to be in shape when I grew up. You know, like that was just like I wanted to be like these dudes I idolized. I'm going to start lifting weights. You know, I really liked wrestling when I was a kid. I liked boxing. I liked all this crap. I was a little martial artist. And even what's that? I grew up with wrestling, too. I'm a huge WWE fan. I actually went (laughs) to the um, WWE um, conference in Louisiana a few years ago. Yeah, that's like up until I knew it was fake. I think that kind of took the wind out of my head. Did that ruin it for you? No. I was pretty upset, actually. Yeah, I was pretty upset when I out. It was okay. Aww. That and you know, even trying to watch it, watch it uh, as as I grew up was tough so too because I was a fan of WWF. Okay. And those were like you know like I'm still a fan of certain people like Andre the Giant for example. If you go down like a YouTube rabbit hole about Andre the Giant, it's fascinating. It's a fascinating life story. A lot of these guys like even like Jake the Snake was like like a real like he, he worked for like. You met him? 
Yes, well, I used to do a podcast with uh, Bo P. Barnes. Shout out to all my comedian friends um, uh-huh. at the at the Punchline, and Jake was doing his podcast too at the time. So awesome. he would do his right before we did ours. So I used to get to hang out with him, and um, also to um, DDP, the yoga guy. He's doing yoga now. Yep. Tell awesome. him the story, you know, about how basically he saved his life and brought him back out of the pits, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a small love- world. That's crazy. Yep. So, um, but what I would say is, you know, I can't tell if as I grew up, um, I could just see through it easier. So it was harder for me to buy into it. And, or I don't think there was as as many big personalities as there were like in the eighties. Uh, and I can't tell which it is, you know, so I don't know. I'm not saying wrestlers got boring or whatever, even knowing it's fake, it's still entertaining for a lot of people. Um, Mm -hmm. but for me, I don't know. It was just – it was one of those things. I mean, like, I, I was watching it to learn, like, moves to use on my friends and stuff. <laughs> and that was, like, the only reason. Like, you know, even, like, watching, like – do you remember the movie Willow, the fantasy yeah. movie? Right. Yeah. Like, I loved Willow, and I was even, like, practicing moves like Mad Mardigan would do with his sword with, like, a wiffle ball bat. So this way, when I fought my friends with wiffle ball bats, I was, like, superior. Oh, you know, so – it, it was all kung fu for me. It was all fighting. It was all like yeah. big muscles. You know, I thought all that was cool. And then my our parents just stuffed sugar in our face. And, and you, you, you'd fill me full of sugar. And then I'd go running around for about four hours straight. You know, we had like a, a baseball park uh, around the block. And uh, we would just go crazy. And then we'd crash really hard. <laughs> and you get like a midday nap. That's when like midday naps were big. Um and then uh, after that, they'd fill you with sugar and you play till dark. And then you'd eat and mm-hmm. you go to bed. And be in the house before the, be in the house before the street lights come on. Exactly. That was that was basically <laughs> the gist. So I think that. So yes, I never... you definitely are either a Gen Xer or on the cusp because I don't think millennials quite know that phrase. Right. It was a, it was a different time. Like when you looked for your friends, you had to find the house with all the bicycles in the front. Right. And then you're like, oh, everybody's at Tommy's house. Good. Yeah. You go and yeah, you say hi yeah. to his mom, and then you go play punch out or whatever you're doing. So, um, yeah, it was a good time, but I think that's why I never really realized I had a problem with sugar was because I always stayed in shape because of these influences when I was little. And we were, we were playing and we were outside a lot and, and, and your generation, you guys, we were still outside a lot and not so much inside with the TV and the video games. So the sugar didn't necessarily hit us that hard back then. That's an excellent point. Yeah. So yeah, that's just my experience. It It was a little different. So where did you grow up? Uh, upstate New York, mainly. So we moved around a little bit, but I'm a New Yorker. I don't know why I put you as a West Coast California person. Oh, no. It, it was never for me. I mean, I went out there a few times. I lived in South Florida for a while. Um, for about 15 years, I, I lived in South Florida. Uh, I lived in northern Maine for a while. I lived in Pennsylvania. Uh, I lived in a bunch of states. And then I moved to Colorado about four years ago, five years ago. Five, Were you four. in a military family? No, no. I left home at a really young age and I'm now 40. So I've been traveling for, I don't know, 25 years now, give or take. Welcome to the 40s. You like it? Uh, Yeah, I turned 40 June 21st. So I'm 39 right now. But as far as do I like uh, being my age? Yes, Uh, I like it for a lot of reasons. Uh, notably, I like that my energy levels are a lot more even than they were in my twenties and even thirties. And, um, I also like that I'm not, uh, moved to do anything stupid by other females. 
anymore. Mm-hmm. Like that that goes away too. So that's kind of nice. Uh, in my twenties, I felt sort of helpless to that that mm-hmm. sirens call. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so now that I'm kind of old, I'm like, ugh. Uh, you know, I'd have to get to know a whole other woman. Mm-hmm. And to me, that just seems exhausting. So I, I got my Lily and that's who I hang out with. And it's like, good, that's done. I don't need to worry about dating again. You mm. know, so I, I feel very like I think 40 is a lot about settling into your relationship, being comfortable and um, not falling into the same stupid traps that a lot of us did in our like 20s and stuff. So, yeah, it's, okay, it's easier so to be. You guys get why I, you know, am talking to this guy right now. And so we're going to take a break right here and because I just got caught up. <laughs> and when we come back, we're going to talk about the podcast and we're going to talk about the comics and we're going to talk about all the awesome stuff you're doing. Because, you know, not just personal reasons, because I have a nephew who is, mm-hmm. you know, is becoming an adult and he writes comics and it's the whole comic world. And I have another nephew who is does stop motion. And there's a lot of people in our audience who write fantasy and fiction and awesome. all that kind of stuff. And so we're going to talk more about what you do and, you know, services that you offer and all that when we come back from a break. OK, you guys stick with us. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Brian Cutter, and you're listening to the Living Sugar-Free Lifestyle Show with Andrea in the morning. At least I think you are. If you're not, you're not hearing this. You're not hearing Andrea, and you really should be because she's awesome. Welcome back, and thank you for sticking with us. You have been listening to, uh, what did I say the series is going to be called? Random Awesomeness is the series. And this is Joe Valen um, episode of the Living Sugar-Free Lifestyle Show, you guys. And y'all, I know you've been enjoying it. Um, But I want to tell you about some of the stuff that he does and all the awesomeness and what got my attention in the first place and what's in it for you. Because y'all know that I love sharing resources and and valuable opportunities and people and companies that you can partner with to better, you know, do what it is you do. Because if I can't help you with something, I'm going to find you the person who can. And there's a lot of people, you guys, that I know are listening and in my audience who need what he has. So, um, oh, and we have Lily with us. Hi, Lily. Hi. Thank you for having me on. Thank you so much for being with us. Welcome to the show, you guys. On the break, I asked Joe to go get Lily, and I started um, asking her a bunch of questions, so we decided that <laughs> we Might were well going to let her on. Yes, because, you know, why, you know, why waste the awesomeness? So, you guys, um, Lily is Joe's business manager. You heard him saying that earlier. And so, Joe, can you just give us a little quick sort of commercial um because uh, I probably didn't do it very good, just about the podcast and about the website and all that, because it's it was so much awesomeness, I can't even describe it, and I can't even remember to put it all into words, but I know people need to hear about it. Okay, well, uh, the best way to keep up with everything that Lily and I are doing is to follow us on social media. You can find me at Joe Valen Writer everywhere, uh, just Lily Aurora everywhere. And um, that's how you can kind of keep up with multiple projects. You can also get over to Patreon, patreon.com backslash Joe Valen Writer. Almost everything I do goes up there, including the podcast, which is called The Mighty Pen Podcast. And where are we? I had to take a big breath. Um, (laughs) And that you can find 
pretty much everywhere also. Social media, uh, our main thing is YouTube. We're trying to get our subscribers up. So if you can go find us over on youtube.com slash C slash The Mighty Pen Podcast or just search for it. Uh, subscribe, all that good stuff. Leave a comment. Yeah. That's where we get our show. Well, and, and the point of the uh, the Mighty Pen podcast, especially on YouTube, is I want to give creators, writers, uh, anybody with a business, uh, kind of just like a place to promote themselves in the comments, which is like an ad that never expires as the channel continues to grow. Um, people will find the old videos and see their old link. So you might get a book sale seven years from now on a comment you left on one of my videos is the goal. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's what we want to achieve. And again, it's called the Mighty Pen Podcast. You can find it on YouTube, Twitch, Podbean, all that other good stuff. If you're a creator, hit Lily up about being featured on the show. Um, we've had we we feature your voice all the time in our uh, creator oh. shout out segments. You have the, one of the best recordings, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right? we like Aww, that one. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> so you can you can hear her, I, and then that you know it's fun. And he made me. He made me. He was like, hey. He was like, mm-hmm. go put, and then he sent me like three reminders. Go put your book yeah, in the it. comments. <laughs> you guys just yeah. really, really connected. But also, too, I want you to talk about more, a little bit more about the creator stuff and also to the opportunities for cartoonists because I found that really awesome. Um, okay, so uh, this year we decided to start my own label called Valen Comics, which I'm. Um, but, uh, the the first property I'm putting out is a sci-fi space adventure called Fibber. And uh, this label of mine will be used to promote um, properties that catch my eye. And just like any other label or business or uh, anything like that, uh, talent that we want to sign. And um, right now it's just in its fledgling stage, so there's not really a lot of room. But now would be a good time to get on my radar, send me a bit of your work, or even say hi to Lily or... You know, follow us on social media, send us a message, let me know who you are, if you're an artist, if you're a writer, if you're a filmmaker, if you're a musician, um, actor, model, who else do we work with? Uh, freak show. Cosplayers, freak cosplayers, show people. Just any sort of like entrepreneur, entrepreneur, entertainer type. Yeah, and as long as you bring something to the table, we can yeah. be buds. That's the point. And like, yes. I, I didn't mean to say like, I, I do have some deadbeat friends somewhere in my roster. But I will say that I'm not accepting applications for the new ones. <laughs> you, you know. Shout out to mm-hmm. our deadbeat friends. <laughs> we have still no love intention you. on getting involved in anything we're doing. You're not trying to pay it forward. You really could care less. You're just trying to survive and not turn into a zombie when the outbreak happens. We exactly. love you for a reason still. <laughs> yeah. Still a reason. Who knows why? But yes, the 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 yeah, the anchor forever around my my leg. But um, <laughs> keeping us anchored down to the real world. That's fine, but I will say this: that my my people that have woke up, because I have a lot yeah. of talented friends, and I I have many of them that have been laying dormant these last ten fifteen years because, you know, I've been on my travels, and yeah. I've popped up here, and I, you know, I'll start a Facebook page, and you'll see me for about five years, and then that'll get deactivated, and then. I'll pop up and start another Facebook page mm-hmm. and I'm in some new state with some new crew. And um, my friends have kind of followed that kind of uh, where's Waldo thing I got going on or whatever. Yeah. And uh, they've gotten a kick out of it. Now they see that we've kind of pulled it together. We're, we're, we're planting roots. We're uh, building this umbrella of this really strong network that we're blessed to have right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and my friends are like, 
you know, it's not like I think many of them think we have more money than we do for one. Oh, I can. Oh, my God. I can. I can. Oh, my God. I hear. Right. You. So <laughs> that so you can already it's, tell where that's uh, going. If you want something done, give it to a busy person, because what you were saying earlier about the people who already appreciate the value, if you appreciate the value of the struggle, you tend to get more done with less. Exactly. Yeah. And so exactly. people think that you're rolling in dough. Yeah. So that, that'll bring out, now here's the thing. I don't penalize my buds for, now these are people maybe you haven't talked to in 10 years, right? And then Uh they see your, your book at a store and Uh then they hit you up. Yo bro, how how you been? Uh Wow. You know, saw your book at a store. They'll send you a picture of it or something. Uh, that's really cool. I like that. I don't penalize them for that kind of weird. I go, listen, what do you got going on currently that can make money? What, What can you do to make money? What are you doing for work? What's your hobby? And if they tell me like, oh, I'm getting into X, Y, Z, I, I just go over my Rolodex in my head of who needs what, where are we at, what could we use? And if it's something I can work with them, I go, listen, small talk aside, let's do business. We can do this. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can help me in this way. I can put you to work or uh, whatever. Uh, here's my guy that maybe you might want to make a comic with, whatever. And yeah. I just make that connection. Then I let them simmer for about two years. Okay. So, so for a while, a while, they, they do their own thing. We stay in contact. We rebuild the friendship, the real friendship now that they have, you know, a direction in life and they're heading towards uh-huh. something and any milestone they get to, I'd be sure to share it. Right. And, uh, you know, and if they did something really special, then I'll have them on the podcast or, uh, I'll send messages directly to people about their work. Um, on their behalf, I'll, I'll, you know, litigate for them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we like our friends if, if anybody's doing something right. you know we, we share them all over as much as so we can. I think that's something that you can't really quantify that we bring to the table <laughs> even though we're just starting out and we don't have a ton of finances to dump into marketing or even like a, a sign-on bonus or anything like that right now I will say this that you can't really quantify what Lily and I bring to the table networking wise mm-hmm. and we also keep you uh, on task yeah. and I think those things every every circle needs like Somebody just going, guys, we did this last week. You know what I mean? We're doing the same stuff we did last week. Uh, let's not be those people. Yeah. And then people start piping up. Well, I'm good at this. Oh, I'm good at that. And then you go, well, then let's go do that. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm bored. Uh, I'd rather, you know, that's the other thing too. Like, I don't know if our relationship would be so smooth if it wasn't for the business end because I'm not the most agreeable person on the planet. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're doing really good because we're so busy. So we, we don't have time and, to fight. There's and no focused fight. on good stuff. Right. That's, that's like an innate avenue of positivity because you're yeah. always focused on good stuff and productivity and helping others. And, you know, uh, just y'all. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Y'all know everybody listening right now, everybody listening right now who really knows me and knows Living Sugar Free and knows TXNL knows that everything they're saying is music to my ears. I mean, I cannot even... I can't even tell y'all. I'm so proud of you guys. Um, and it's, it's refreshing, you know, because, you know, you can talk until you're blue in the face, but it's so much more valuable for someone else to describe it from a different perspective and a different angle and, and why, you know, the quality over quantity and, you know, you know, yes, you know, as a business development person and a coach and all that kind of stuff. Yes. You know, it's my goal to kick you in your butt. It's my goal to keep you on track. It's my goal to say, Hey, you guys, you know, this deadline's coming up. If you don't meet this deadline, then you're not going to get to be whatever. It's my job to do that. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it's our job as, 
humans, if you will, to do all that other stuff you just described. Everybody, you know, shaming people, you guys, setting standards and raising the bar is not about shaming people who aren't where we are. You know, it's not about that. And we're always, you know, I have this, I can't tell y'all how often I have this conversation. Just because I told you you're fired, sit down, you can't do that anymore, get out, you have to leave, you're not allowed in this circle anymore, does not mean that if we see you on the street begging bread, we're not going to give it to you. Or if you get Mm -hmm. your stuff together and want to come back that you can't. Or if we see that you're doing something great, we don't get behind it or whatever, all the other things you described. It's not about holding grudges and and not continuing to help people just because maybe for your circle or for the business or the office or for your well-being, it wasn't a good idea to necessarily work with that person at a time. And you guys just, ooh, y'all just made, warmed my heart really Aww. with that. I've gotten That's better it. at like, the, there's, you know, there's a negative side of it too. When people flake out, you gotta, you know, it's a business, right? So let's say somebody promises you a bunch of stuff and then you put a bunch of marketing money behind that and then they can't deliver or they mislead you in some way that costs you money and hurts your business. Mm -hmm. You know, in business, you have to check people too all day. And where I had to kind of, where Lily kind of came in and gave me a buffer was with my old lifestyle. If I had an issue with somebody, I'd walk up to them and tell them it, (laughs) you know? And then now if I have an issue with somebody, I have to schedule an appointment you know, mm-hmm. schedule a meeting to go over my grievances in a way that makes mm-hmm. logical mm-hmm. sense. And then we have to have a production meeting where we make the changes mm-hmm. and uh, all this crap. And I suck at it and I throw tantrums. Right. Well, at least I used to. Yeah. I think you've, you've gotten a lot. Better. I've gotten a lot better. The last but, couple of times anything came up, we just had a nice yeah. calm conversation about it. What are we going to do? What right. are our options? And then go from there. Two, two different times recently and both good outcomes. Yeah. And now what I do if I'm at that point where I'm kind of done with you is I go, I'm putting a pause on the project for now. And they'll go, what do you mean? I go, it's on pause. That's it. And they'll go, well, until when? I go, until what? whatever. You got to get your stuff together. You know, right. like I'll, I'll talk to you. Right. So then I don't unfriend them. I don't be rude. Yeah. I don't do anything that I just go and accomplish like eight things. Like mm-hmm. in its in its stead. So if you if you make me pause one of my projects, I'll go. It's like the the Hydra. The height the head the heads <laughs> of the Hydra. It's like the Hydra pro, the project Hydra. Yes. yes. When I when I yes. fail a project, I start two more in its place. Mm-hmm. Right. Throw me like to the wolves. I come back leading the pack. Yes. Right. So I'll do that, and then what that person will, will see because they're still connected with me on all their social medias is they'll see me come out with all these things that I did while they were sitting on their butt watching me do all these things mm-hmm. and it's like you know you ready to come back you ready to you know you got to be at least at a stiff jog to catch this train mm-hmm. you know what i mean Grab and hold on tight. so anybody that's like just got like a slow pace it doesn't mean you're a bad person it means we're, right. at different, right. we're at different levels because sometimes all. sometimes life just gets in the way i mean people sure. people have deaths in their family people lose their jobs i mean i could tell you a laundry list of reasons why people have fallen off over the years i get it i do and mm. i really had to learn what you just now said because you know <laughs> As the sugar-free coach and as the founder of my nonprofit organization, we're all about getting behind people like you, right? Mm -hmm. So if I have you guys over here saying all this great stuff that you're saying, but then this person over here, just because I've known them for 20 years and they're not willing to at least just 
jog a little, move their feet fast a little. They're not even willing to just click follow back because I said, hey, go over here and follow these people. They can help you. They're not even willing to do that. I'm not being a good person and I'm not being a good steward. I'm not being a good leader. I'm not being a good business manager. And I'm not even doing right by that person. Mm -hmm. If I allow them to continue to take up space, you know, you have a team of people in any workplace, you have a team of people working on something and one person's not pulling their weight, but yet Mm -hmm. you continue to show that person favor. So then Mm -hmm. all of the hard worker workers now are like, well, what am I chopped liver? What am I working so hard for? And now you spoiled the whole entire team. Right. Right. You have to keep that loyalty by uh, rewarding the people that are working hard and the people, you know, the people that are following, the people that are always active. Like we try and really give back to all of our followers, anybody that we see, you know, repeatedly when we're going like on Twitch or something. We'll we'll lose money on a good customer. Yeah. Yeah. He gives free stuff away. I always get free stuff away. Yeah. Come on. I will work free if the value that I'm giving is worth it. Yes. If I'm Mm -hmm. sowing into fertile ground, then it's not, it doesn't matter how much money I make. Right. Mm -hmm. Because it'll pay back in in some way or another eventually. Yeah. And it's not even that too. It's that like, I mean, look at my visceral reaction to people when they say, hey, I bought X amount of your things versus, Mm -hmm. um, oh my God, in chapter 12 of your book you said this and that hit me in such a way because this happened and then they'll give me that personal story and I forget all about the sale you yes. know, completely and I'm, and I'm, it's very euphoric and it's like, Oh, you know what it really is? It's confirmation that you're not alone. Yes. And, and it's confirmation that your work will now outlive you because there's a stranger that's read it, which means you've now created something separate from yourself that can't be touched by the. So for example, let's say, I don't pay rent and I get evicted and I go languish on the streets and fade out somewhere. Okay. Mm-hmm. Unkillable Joe will be on shelves. Yeah. Let's say aliens good. blow us up and they're sifting through the rubble. They're going to find a copy laying somewhere. Mm-hmm. And they might even get to read it. They might even de- decipher it. So Now, see, that's something I don't even like. It's you crazy. Know how, like, you know how like you resonate with different phrases and different things like you saying that presents a whole new perspective in my mind. I don't, and I don't know if that's my weirdo. Like, I don't know if either one of y'all have ever taken the narcissism test, but you know, all humans score somewhere on the narcissism test. Like Mm -hmm. a narcissist quote unquote is like 30, but most celebrities are like 15, 19. Most Uh average people are like seven, eight, nine. I got a zero. Right. Oh, wow. So so, which is not a good thing. Okay. So for me, it's the reality that, you know, you're, you're where you're supposed to be in the world. It's that, you know, that you're kind of doing your purpose and you're doing what it is you're supposed to be doing Mm -hmm. that quote, you know, like somebody gives you that quote, but what you just described, Mm. I don't, I kind of have to go in my meditation time and think on it because my head might explode if I try to think of it (laughs) too much. But that's like, there's a lot yeah. of spooky things. Like if you really break down writing, there's a lot of mechanics of just the process that are that are sort of crazy. Like, like I I wrote it in my past. You're gonna read it in both of our futures. You know what I mean? Like there's in your present when in you're my, reading in it. your present. Yeah. So there's like a it's a, a really weird time machine just writing in general yeah. and the fact that that your thoughts are now in print. And that to yeah. me is like a very very strange thing. And not only that, what we're looking for too is. <sighs> you know, I'm going to be 40. We look at how fast this time has passed. It's been a blink of an eye. 40 years has been a blink of an eye. Um, I know that this quarantine feels like forever, but 40 years was fast. 
And yeah. uh, that's the the phenomena that made me really wonder about writing and creating things because I have a feeling that's how fast 80 years is going to be. I mean, my grandfather never expected to be old. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. now he's old. He's super old. He's 91. Mm-hmm. So we're going to be super old if we're lucky. Mm-hmm. And, if we're lucky, uh, right. And that's, that's super fast. So my point is this, is that if this is all the time I truly get, then I'm going to find some sort of loophole to get some more. Mm-hmm. And that's my loophole mm-hmm. for a little bit. Maybe not immortality, but definitely longevity. So I'm going for legacy, uh, I think know. I think legacy yeah. is the right word for that. Legacy is what I'm hunting. Uh, yeah, it's yeah, it's the leaving something for people after you're gone. It's just mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's my whole mm-hmm. that's my whole quest. So mm-hmm. that's probably what Lily responded to. I'm going to speak for you. OK, <laughs> go ahead. Is, is that's probably what she responded to in the beginning was I, w- I had this stink of destiny about me. Like I was just like, you know, I'm doing shit. Whether yeah. we hook up or not. Yeah, you, you know? were doing like, it and you were, were passionate gonna, about we're it. We're going to get this done. You can be part of the team. You can just follow from afar. You can forget yeah, about me. Yeah, chick dig purpose. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, there was no, nothing. Quality yeah. chick dig purpose. <laughs> right. And th- But there was, there was no way, way Lily could have harmed me in the beginning. I was impervious. Mm-hmm. She could have done nothing to slow down my production. She yeah. could have done nothing to distract me because I wouldn't allow it. And she yeah. assimilated into that. And then over time, we let ourselves become distracted because it's fun. And now I'm in the spot where I'm writing my second novel. And uh, I will say this. You said, you know, life happens, this and that. I do know this for a fact. If you want to write your novel, you'll do it. You'll do it. Mm-hmm. I had two jobs. I was living in a car. I wrote a novel. That's it. And I was giggling. I had a little light on my hat. And I was giggling in the back of my Crown Vic. Mm-hmm. And I had no heat. I was laughing and I was steaming up the windows with my stupid laughter. And I was writing these dumb little comics and telling dumb little dad jokes in them. And then that grew into something great. And it's because I did it every single day. And I think that if you want to write a book, you can. Now I have every opportunity. I'm, I'm sitting on my butt. We're in quarantine. Lily would give me day plenty. Six d- day six. Day seven. Day seven. Oh, my days and are all going together. I'm making every excuse not to. I'm halfway through my book and I'm just dragging my butt. I don't think you've worked on it once no. since little quarantine. It's we're, been tough. We're settling in. We're playing video games. Second book is harder. Mm-hmm. I, I haven't worked on my book since quarantine either, if I'm honest. And really? yeah, and and I agree with what you just said. Second book is harder, but mm-hmm. also too for me transitioning from nonfiction to fiction. I mean, I've been writing all my life, and I used to write stories when I was a kid and all that. So it's not a matter that I somehow don't think I can write fiction, but. Um, transitioning from nonfiction to fiction has, has been rough for me. And I sort of, um, I, I, I hacked it, if you will. I, I did a life hack thing and I hacked it and I kind of figured out a way that I'm going to be able, when I finally do put my you know, foot to the grindstone, I'm going to be able to flow through it. I know because I hacked it in a way that my brain can think about it so that I can do it the same way I did my nonfiction. But I want to key in on something you said, because um, you said two things. You said, if you want to write your book, you can. And you said that during this quarantine, you've had a writer's block. So mm-hmm. both of those things are very true. you know. And what you said, I can relate to, a lot of people can relate to. And, and also to another thing you said earlier, because you know some of my friends, and while writers I respect greatly have said exactly the same thing you said earlier, which is if you're a polymath, if you're a renaissance person, you know, you're this type of person, you've got all these projects going on. When you get blocked on one, just go throw yourself into the other ones. And that way you're always being productive and it'll Mm -hmm. come to you, right? 
Mm -hmm. Okay. So the other week I was on a call, um, with this lady and her name is Alexandria. Y'all I shouted her out, go back and look at my feed. I can't think of her name right now. Cause I didn't know I was going to be talking about her, but, um, her book is, Oh, I can give you a book at least. It's just now coming out like this week. It's like, ask for more. And I love when I meet people like you guys right now, and you're saying things that I'm like, yes, this is it. That's it. Okay. Yes. This. Well, she said this thing that reminded me of my corporate background. And so I know that what she was saying is true. And if we can figure out how to apply what she said to what we're talking about right now, maybe we can both start writing. Okay. So she said, mm-hmm. you have to go back and look at, and I've been doing it actually lately with my social media. And if I don't, you know, if people know me, they, you notice a shift in the way I've been doing my social media and doing videos. And Joe and I talked, I'm remiss if I don't mention that before we got on air, we were talking about being free and being yourself and getting on camera just as yourself and how you are and not jumping through hoops to make sure your clothes are right and putting on mm-hmm. a bunch of makeup. And he was talking about being in his bathrobe and I was eating a sandwich the other day on one. So I feel so liberated to finally be there, you know, <laughs> after all these years. Um, but okay. So this lady said, look back in your past because I don't care who you are. You can look back through devastating times, hardships and whatever and times that you won, times that you overcame, times that you succeeded or accomplished something. So look back at those times and write down what you did. How did you accomplish that win? What was your training? What was your practice? What was your mindset? What, what were, you know, what, did you listen to motivational music? Was there a class or a book you read or, you know, what mind state you were in? Did you sit in a certain room or whatever the thing was for you and write those things down? And I literally did that. I thought back over promotions that I had gotten and jobs that I had, and you know, awards and all these different things. And I wrote them down and it sort of carried me through the past couple of weeks. But now you're giving me another way to apply it and to look at it because I'm, if I'm honest, (laughs) I haven't written on mine either. And we've had the perfect opportunity, even though I'm always social distancing still, everything's Mm -hmm. been slow. How can we apply what she said to this and think about how we wrote our first books? And I think we may have both had something in common when we wrote our first books. You just said something about being in the back of a car and Mm -hmm. running around like a chicken and everything not going well and whatever. Well, I, I haven't worked a job job in many years, so I wasn't doing a lot, but I Mm -hmm. had just went through some devastation. I had just, you know, what we talked about earlier about people, you know, throwing you to the wolves. And like you said, throw yourself into something else. I am the queen of doing that. If you see Mm -hmm. me come out with some new stuff, you might as well be like, "Mm, somebody pissed Andrea off. (laughs) Yeah, that's how I am. (laughs) I wrote my book after being stabbed in the back by multiple people, you know, and then Mm -hmm. I was gratified in writing it because even in that, I edited it and edited it and edited it to make sure that even though I was writing a memoir and telling the truth and sharing my experiences. I wasn't just being nasty and throwing people under the bus, you know? Mm -hmm. And so whatever it was that we did in those times, even though now it's like we have all the free time in the world, something still we can tap into probably to figure out how to get writing. I don't know what it is. I'm just putting it out there. What do you think? Mm -hmm. Well, uh, well, in my case is a little bit different in the way that, um, my process is a little intense and weird and I get really weird when I write. So I do almost, I do, I do almost all my writing when Lily's not home. Um, because I don't want to look like, you know, uh, Willy Wonka lost his mind. 
Right. Uh, it's a very like private thing. It's a private thing. And like, I, there's a lot of like self doubt. There's a lot of me talking to the room. There's uh-huh. a lot of me laughing at nothing. Uh-huh. Uh, there's a lot of me listening to the same song 50 to 200 times in a row just to capture tone. Um, as a matter of fact, that's not even something that you can just go in another room because it's not, yeah, I get it. And we're in quarantine. So I don't want to be like this, you know, uh, you know, I don't want to recreate the shining. Right. You know what I mean? So that's part of what's kept me from, I know I write dark comedy. Like if you read unkillable Joe, it's really funny. Uh, but believe that behind the writing of that, there was a lot of like soul searching and, um, just crazy doubt and, you know, demons and skeletons and all that crap. So I think you need a lot of hours alone. And I believe, yeah, yeah, and I I believe people listening to this will be able to, you know, extract what you, what her advice was and apply that towards getting them motivated. It doesn't work so much for me because I'm so damn weird. uh, You know what? We're all, listen, you're the people that you are talking to right now. Yeah are going to say to themselves and saying to you, no, you don't understand. I'm weird too. Right. So, well, good. Everybody thinks so, weird. Like, so I, I need a bit of solitude for that. One of the people who writes one of my favorite book series, it, what you just described, she talks about similar processes because, you know, all the different characters and all these characters are ahead and the type of writing. So I totally get mm-hmm. what you're saying. And maybe when I actually really get into more of writing my fiction, then I will also too be able to relate to that. Cause I don't, I don't have any kind of process like that. Cause I don't like y'all are teaching me stuff by sharing that with me because that maybe that's where I need to get to, to really be able to develop these characters. You know what well, I mean? Like with fiction. So fiction by the laws of um, uh, metaphysics. And if, if you subscribe to the, the, that there may be a multiverse, which a lot of math points to. Okay, so let's say that there is a multiverse. Uh, what does that mean? To my understanding, there's an infinite amount of other realities, like mm-hmm. an infinite amount. Meaning, if you gave a monkey a typewriter in one of those universe, in all the universes, in one of them, he'll type the collected works of Shakespeare without a grammatical error. Mm-hmm. That's, how, that's how many universes there are, according mm-hmm. to a lot of these scientists. So now, with that being said, wouldn't your imagination now we also know that carbon's not even really touching each other like things that feel like a hard surface are barely connected yeah and like all this crazy stuff time doesn't flow in a line um nothing is real deja vu could be a stutter and you know Mm -hmm. all this stuff so if you subscribe to all that when you get into the realm of fiction be you're creating things that may actually exist somewhere Mm -hmm. and i look at it like that and now that I understand, you know, Alan, Alan Moore says that all writers are essentially either, you know, witches or warlocks in some way, because the function of a witch is to cast a spell. And what a spell is, mm-hmm. is a collection of words that changes reality. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what a book does. Mm-hmm. A book does exactly that, uh, you know, by by creating this tangible thing from thought alone. Someone's going to purchase that thing from Amazon. It's going to go to their house. They're going to they're going to pick it up and they're going to read it. And it's going to change the course of their life. So you are essentially casting a spell on a reader. And so you look at all these things. Now, for a guy that writes horror and dark comedy and tragedy, I deeply apologize to many several billions of inhabitants of various planets. But I will say that ups the ante quite a bit to fiction. If you look at that, and even if part of you wonders if that's true, you have to approach uh, fiction with a monicum of respect for the chaos you're about to unleash somewhere. 
Oh, Jesus. Okay. Let me take, let me just add a little, let me just add a little uh, spice to what he just said for anybody who thinks that they can't relate to it because, okay, so I'm a firm believer and I'm a proponent and anybody who knows me knows I say this all the time. I don't care what you believe. I don't care what you believe. The truth is the truth across various schools of thought, religions, sciences, philosophies, and et cetera. So we can argue semantics all day long, but I can take whatever it is you're saying, and I can take this person over here who's saying, nah, and I can apply it to whoever it is and whatever it is they believe in, in a different context and with different words and make them understand it. You feel me? Because mm-hmm. I don't care if you're a Christian out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, but the power of life and death is, is in the tongue and call those things that be not as though they are, right? Um, all of the Buddhists and everybody, you guys, everybody believes in the power of the word, whether spoken or written. And the very words that we use in the English language, the word spelling comes from spells, you guys. So therefore, the point that he just made, y'all, is a deep one. But if you're writing fiction, you better meditate on that thing because there is a huge responsibility that comes. And matter of fact, let me just say that it doesn't matter if you're writing fiction or if you're writing fact or if you're posting a blog or if you're putting a post on the Internet. And 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 a lot of people have problems with me and my kind because we tend. And when I say that, y'all, I mean, weirdo people. Autistics, mm-hmm. people on the spectrum, polymaths, et cetera, because we tend to have dark humor because mm-hmm. if you're going to survive in this world, you have to laugh. And unfortunately, we tend to laugh at things that most people don't think are funny. Mm-hmm. And it's often a joke that it's like, oh, too soon. You know, like me and my classmates um, from being a Gen Xer and having this group Somebody said, name some Corona songs, coronavirus songs. And so guess what? In a matter of an hour, there was an 11 hour playlist. And now it's 17 hours. And guess what? I took my DJ skills and volunteered to turn it into an actual playlist on Spotify. And some people are going to listen to it and be offended. (laughs) Mm. I don't care. I warned you, NSFW, but it is a historical documentation of a bunch of people who have lived through all of this mess. And all of that together is collectively like the power of what you just described. And so we yeah, it's have one, bi- to... one big spell there. You yes, know? Nice. exactly. I think it's a nice thing. It is. And so. Hi, this is Lee Grissom, the author of KLS nine and Sabre six. And you're listening to the living sugar free lifestyle show with Andrea in the morning. You're writing about anything apocalyptic right now you need to stop and i told her don't listen what do you think well you know you know what i think um i was writing a television show right before this that i'm kind of mad now because they're gonna think that this inspired it and it really didn't i I just kind of predicted this yeah you probably started like three or four months ago with like the general idea of it yeah like the power goes down in america Mm-hmm. And it's a it's a dark comedy and it's it's done in the the style of like IT crowd meets Last Man on Earth meets Zombieland sort of deal. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's an eclectic group of people that that take um, shelter in a high rise building and end up becoming essentially roommates with each other. But their personalities are crazy. The only thing they all have in common is they're enjoying the apocalypse a lot more than they enjoyed actual real life. 
And uh, so they're they're content there, but they may be some of the last Americans left in this country. And um, basically, there comes a time where they have to leave. And uh, in that refusal to leave, I think I capture the fighting American spirit. Yeah. And actually, it, so it's it's meant to be a comedy, and it's a three season show. And I've, I when I got to the finale, when I kind of made up the finale, what I thought it should be, I realized that this is actually these people are fighting for this country when really there's, there's nothing left. They're just doing it because they're here and they refuse to leave. And there's something really beautiful in that. And it takes yeah. this, and because it's a comedy, you don't really see it coming kind of yeah. deal as far as that. And you. then this happens. And now, <laughs> now we're doing this and I'm like, dude, Aww. I was coming up with this stuff when it was original, when it was fun. And uh, now it's going to seem very inspired by. Right. Now it would be like too I late. I can't wait to read it. And you guys, yeah. by the way, I talked about it last week. I'm uh, Unkillable Joe is on my uh, carryover because I'm just behind in my books, but it's on my um, spring reading list. And so I'm mm-hmm. reading that. I'll be doing my review soon, you guys. And oh, so boy. get that. Good luck to you. But, <laughs> Good but luck to you. I can't wait to read this too, you guys. He's a phenomenal writer, but I'm going to tell you the same thing I told my other friend because mm-hmm. – Okay, so I'm just going to tell y'all who it is because she's a beast. Um, if you guys don't know Lee Grissom, the two of you need to know each other. I'm, I w- I'm hoping that in the future when things settle down a little bit, I can get both y'all, uh, maybe all three of y'all on together. But she's the writer of the KLS9, Saber 6, and soon-to-be-out Eden 1 series. And when I met her, I was doing this creator series, and I was talking about and, – and this is where someone said – and I think Maya Angelou said it, but whatever. Brian Cutter said it to me. He said, if you're seeing stuff – and, and we're not seeing his wife is black. And he's like, we're not seeing, you know, representations of black women. And, and, and you know, if we're not seeing what we want to see. And he's a filmmaker. He wants to set up a, a studio and a, a production company where it's fair and people aren't being molested and all that stuff and whatever. And he's like, we need to write the stories we want to see more of. And mm-hmm. they're all connected. And Kyle Hester, the movie producer, and, and, and um, Lee wrote me into Eden One. So in Eden oh. One black female comes into the storyline and it's Amelia Macron's the character and she's after me. So nice. when we do the whole social media theater and I'd love to see a comic come out of these stories. So that's why I really want you guys to connect because if we can't get it into a movie quickly, we definitely need to get it into a comic series mm-hmm. because she has the characters acting it out on social media. It's so cool. It's so very cool. But I told her and I'm going to tell you too. South Park predicted this whole political thing that's going on. Simpsons predicted something else. The value of what you just described about casting spells and, you know, being impasse and witches and warlocks and whatever, that's the nature of the type of people that we are and that we're talking about. Mm-hmm. And it's going to happen, period. And nobody's going to give it a second thought other than to think that you tapped into what you tap into and had some type of insight into the Akashic record of what was about to happen. And, I feel like whoever said that just wanted everybody else to stop writing so that they could be the only one to put something out. I do. Yeah, absolutely that's like an not. alcoholic saying, have a drink with me. Yeah, I absolutely do not think that you should put any breaks on anything that no. you are doing. And no. And, and I don't think your audience is going to think any kind of way about it at all, period, because no. I'm your audience. As a matter of fact, what's funny is a lot of my stories didn't really feature uh, a lot of diversity. Most of my characters were white. Um, straight characters from what I know, I think I had a few gay characters, but I never asked them. Uh, so there was, you know, some, some of my gay characters, I wouldn't even know if they were gay in many cases, unless it comes up in the story. 
Um, but this television show that I'm writing is incredibly diverse, mm-hmm. and I, I I'm kind of embarrassed though because I don't want people to think that I I bend uh, to public you know outcry okay. and I'm just doing it to placate people. I legit was thinking about which character would be the funniest here, the funniest there, and I ended up with this super diverse cast. And uh, it was just because the story took it there, not because people made me do it. Mm-hmm. So this but, TV know, show is kind of cursed in a way because it's like. But you know, that's the balance in growing. You know that, right? That's with anything. Yeah. I don't care what it is. When you get a new lease on life or get an aha moment mm-hmm. or or learn something new, grow in a certain area, you're always going to have haters from your old world or even trolls or whatever. Oh, you got brand new. That's what we call it. You know, I know you they're going to say new. it. Yeah, I'm already putting it out of my mind now because. It, it was just the funniest characters for this story, and that's that's but what I wanted. If we want so. people to grow, if we want everybody to have more diverse stuff, if we want to be included, then how are we going to hate on people when they actually do it? That's just dumb, mm-hmm. you know. So yeah, no, do you? It's no. If you if you get more diverse perspectives and you start to learn about more people, then those are the people that are going to make it into your storyline. That's just the nature of what it is that we're doing now by just being a more inclusive society. Yeah. It just, and it's funny. You know. it, it all depends on the story I'm working on, too. I mean, you know, like for the longest time, I was the only white dude around. Right. Like and, where you're, I live. and you're like one of the main characters in most of your stories. So yeah. you can't you're not going to change yourself. You're just you. Right. Who's a white so I just male. write what I know. Yeah. And, and that's basically it. I mean, I think with fiction, you got to you have to establish the characters very, very, very strongly in your mind to have a very clear idea of what each character, what motivates them, what would make them, what decisions they would make, how they speak. You really got to see them. Once you do that. And the key is authenticity, too. Making sure that you are talking about what you know. So you're going to either share from your experiences or you're going to go do research and get to know a whole different experience. But if it is what you've lived, it doesn't matter what people think about it. That's that's all you can do. I would say if you have these characters really well defined, then you can just write to see what they do. Like you can you can get that sense of discovery, too. So it's not a drag. So you're not like going, oh, I got to write, you know, two chapters. Part of my problem with this second book is I I wrote a whole outline first in Unkillable Joe. I was pantsing it. So now that I have this outline, I know what's going to happen. And that sense of discovery is kind of taken away from me, oh, no. which is OK. I, I'm still loving it. But, you know, it's not the do same. You allow yourself to do you allow yourself to deviate from it at all or you not strip- much because it's so it's so perfect. <laughs> it's just so good. It's like the way I have this set up. It's such a modern tragedy. It's so. It's called. Should I say the name of my next yeah, book? Yeah, you said it a bunch. Okay, yeah. so the name of my next book, the sequel to Unkillable Joe, is called International Bestselling Author Joe Valen by Joe Valen. And that's the. <laughs> that's, so that's I like what you're doing. You're doing the opposite of what I'm doing, and I haven't announced any of my stuff yet. Partially because I didn't want to commit, but partially because I didn't have it together yet. But I think you've inspired me. Mm-hmm. That if nothing else, during this season of quarantine, I'm going to at least share a little bit of what I've been working on and announce and commit to it what I'm going to yeah, do. I'm going to commit to doing that, y'all. So, y'all, if you heard this, I'm going to do that. That's my goal, uh, inspired by Joe Valen. But can you talk a little bit more about this thing you just said? Because I hear people say it all the time, but I don't know if it's something that just anybody can do, if it's something you can give tips on how to do, or if it's something that certain of us just were weirdos and we just have voices in our head. I don't know. How do you, um, how, how can you tell someone how when they're writing? A lot of people say, you know, don't get mad at me when the characters do X, Y, Z. I just develop the character and then I let them do what they do. How does a person 
tap into that and just let the characters tell the story and not force the story on the page, if that makes sense. Did I say that right? Yeah, I think you did. I get it. Um, okay. I actually do have advice on this. I was I was prepared to say, oh, don't ever listen to me on anything um, because I am just kind of making it up. But for this one, I would say approach your novel or your story like a D&D campaign and you are the dungeon master. Dungeon master's job is to tell everybody what the story is, to uh, vidi the uh, dice rolls first. So in case he needs to keep things discreet from other players, uh, things like that. When you write your characters, let them do whatever they're going to do. Unless one of them does something that gives you pause, that you really have to think about. And it may not be because for fear of public backlash, you may be worried about the ending. You may be worried about other characters, how it in- impacts them. So if a character does something that you're not so sure that you're down with for your story, you do have like a presidential veto. Mm-hmm. And But I would use it sparingly. So I'd say in the course of an entire novel, you should use your veto against your own characters, I'd say no more than four to five times. Three to five times, something like that, like a handful of times in a 300-page novel, and you know, 60,000 words. And if you do that this way, you're not, you're not, you don't want to make them aware of you. You see what I'm saying? Are you one of, are you one of these people who sits and lets the scene play out in your mind and then yes. writes it, or does exactly. the scene come to you as you're writing it? That's why I have to listen to the same song on repeat. So mm-hmm. I find the right song for the tone of whatever page or chapter I'm on. It goes on repeat, which I know would make most people go mad eventually. What it does for me is even the lyrics start to blend, and now I'm in the room. And once I'm there, you know, it's 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 a really strong illusion. You know, like when my characters experience something, it feels like I got like a life memory from it. Mm-hmm. Like it feels like I experienced that. You know, like I can laugh about that as an inside joke now. You know, so like Lily and I, we make jokes about Unkillable Joe all the time. Oh, it's like this character. Oh, it's like that. Yeah. Well, now these people are real in, in a way, in a way. So I don't know. It's it's just a crazy thing. I don't know if I answered that properly. Is that right? You did answer it. You yeah. did Good. answer it. I'm on a tangent. I would love to do a survey and, and do some kind of like little thing and have an exercise where people try that and find out if it's something that's easy for people or are we all just crazy and we can, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if it's easy for everybody. <laughs> I just try to, I would say be a detective and follow your characters around, see what they're up to. I guess you have to, maybe you guys, okay, here it is. I think I got to the root of what I'm trying to figure out. And nobody has said this to me. I just, I don't want to be talking over anybody's head. And, and so what basically the root of what I'm getting to is if you haven't exercised your imagination in a while, maybe you got to get back to that and get back to allowing yourself to just imagine because maybe can't imagine a whole story scene that you've never read anywhere or seen anywhere but it's just playing out in your mind that's probably Mm -hmm. the the get back to imagining yeah and And i often verbalize them as well what did you say you verbalize them out loud that's yeah sometimes when you know the imagination muscle is a little weak you can go over to your other and you can be like here's what i wrote last night here's where i'm going with it here's what i want to tell let me read you a bit right and if I read it to Lily and she's like, oh, it's brilliant, you know, that may even make it to the final stage, you know, but I, I do many stages of the book. But very often you have to verbalize your whole story because sometimes I verbalized a story to Lily and it wasn't that good. And I didn't end up spending a year writing it, thankfully, you know, That's, so it's like a lot of your projects may just kind of suck and you're just doing the work. Sometimes you know? it doesn't sound good when you say it out loud. That's a good point. Exactly. So right. before you spend a year on it, I mean. 
I know a lot of people, I'm, I, I know a lot of writers, and I feel terrible for this because I don't think I'm a great writer. You know, I think I'm, I'm okay, right? But I know a lot of people that told a story they, they worked really hard on, and uh, I'm not interested at all. Mm-hmm. Not even a little bit. Because I've seen it a million times. It's it's a bunch of tropes that we've seen a thousand times. It's a uh, you know some sort of might even be like a a simple MacGuffin that throws you off or something like that. The verbiage, the dialogue, what it's mm-hmm. about, damn cover. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It could be anything. Uh, and For I feel me, terrible. Think it's too wordy. If it's too wordy and I have to go back and keep reading the same paragraph and same page exactly. to stay on track, I can't. And I'm not saying and, I'm great, so don't, don't compare writing, to you know? That's a that's like great expectations level writing, but right. I'm not reading great expectations again. And then you also have to. to think about your project monetarily too. So now we're all our own masters, right? You got to be your own boss. Um, uh-huh. So how does your project fit in? How does it make money? Where do you visualize it making money? Uh, could it be a film? You know, how do you get that turned into a film? Do you, you know? So if you're thinking about a new project. And you see it's got legs in like a bunch of different avenues and you know you have networking people for those avenues and you tell – you know you verbalize it to your partner and they're laughing really hard. And then maybe you call your boy up and you verbalize it over the phone. He's laughing really hard, you know, at least with comedy. Mm-hmm. Now you know that you have a potential Netflix uh, animated film down the road. You know you have a potential you know, mobile app game. You know, you have a potential graphic novel, a comic, um, you name it. Where does this thing fit in? And once you map all that out, and if it if it seems like it's it's bearing fruit or it could bear fruit, now you spend your next two years making this thing. Yeah, I think too many writers just have an idea and they start writing alone by themselves without any – and maybe they'll wait later until it's finished to send it out to beta readers, but nobody's just like – nobody's workshopping it with the right people. Right. They're just writing to write. And if nobody hurt your feelings yet on a project, it's not ready. Yeah. You've mm. got to put yourself out there uh, and share your story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that, that's our advice anyway on that. Y'all, okay, so good. I'm on the right track. What I said I'm going to do, I'm going to share an excerpt or something like that, and I'm going to tell everybody what I'm working on, and I'm going to finally commit to um, my work in progress or, um, yeah. And it sounds like you operate the same way I do. You might want to look into, uh, Henry Rollins. He was a lead singer of a punk band called black flag for many years. Mm -hmm. He's accomplished more than most people, most, you know, than five people put together probably Mm -hmm. in their lifetimes, I'm sure. And he said he's, he's fueled by negativity in a lot of ways where he had a bad time in high school. And he says now he's in like his 60s and he's done a million things and he's everybody loves him. He he like sells out um, auditoriums when he wants to speak and stuff like that. Like he does spoken word and uh, he's just an amazing guy. He travels the world. Anyway, he says when he accomplished, he keeps a book in his uh, when he walks in his foyer foyer when he walks into his <laughs> house. And in the book is everything he finished. Every book he's published. He's published like 20 plus books. Uh, he's got photography books. He's been everywhere. Every tour he's completed, every album he's come out with. Right. Ba- basically, any accomplishment. Any accomplishment goes in the book. And he says every once in a while he reads over the book and he's astonished by what he's done in his life. He can't believe he's the same guy that's done all this stuff. And that's what social media does for me. Yes. And he says he's powered through it each each project because he wants to show the people from his high school. He wants to grind them into a powder. He wants to come oh, down like. With this atomic level of productivity, 
just to show them like how amazing he is as a person and how they miss. Now this is a petty thing, right? Because you can say, oh, it's people from your high school. You're 60 right, years old. Go. You're Henry Rollins. But, is, but at least he's doing the right thing with it. It works for him. It's his process. Yeah. And it's like yeah. you said about haters and stuff like that. I need them personally. You yeah. know, uh, the whole tone of Unkillable Joe is written from the perspective of a hater. The yeah. entire thing. Yeah. The narrator hates my guts through the whole story. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Yeah. And I wanted to I, I pictured my haters when I was writing it. And I figured I'm just going to speak for them the entire time. So before they bitch about anything, I already said it. Mm -hmm. You see what I'm saying? So, mm -hmm. for example, the, the beginning of the book starts out with poor writing. And the poor writing is the mechanic that makes Joe's characters come to life and confront him about how poorly written they are. Okay? And so one, our only real bad review we got on Amazon was from a guy who didn't get past that part. So he didn't realize that the poor writing is actually what kicks off the story. <laughs> right he was like oh three pages in and i can't finish he go, it. yeah he goes oh. i gave up in disgust early on and i'm thinking you might have missed out on a fun story because you know it gets, i did that in my fun. intro too yeah so a little I weird that too I was, like, I was like don't 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 even get started looking at the grammar and whatnot because it, 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 i broke all the rules and mm. just don't worry about it <laughs> yeah this one's this one's fairly polished, but I still read some cringe cringeworthy. That's what I was paragraph. gonna say. Your Unkillable Joe is not that. It's not that bad. And I'm a I was an English major. It's not. I haven't well, gotten you. to the gist of what you're saying yet, but I have mm -hmm. started it, and it, I didn't. I don't agree with that person. Right. Thank. Well, thank you very much. And I find it terribly ironic that uh, I failed English. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I was always good at English. That's why I'm the editor. Well, actually, I don't even in debt indent my paragraphs i'm yeah. crazy like when lily gets the first rough of whatever i write I it's a it. mess it's bad um because to me it's the story i just gotta get the story down and then we'll make it good uh -huh. later so because uh -huh. you know no, see, if you write it too slowly the characters do stuff that you didn't see my mom is my editor and so i have this you know historic probably phobia about giving my mom anything that's you know, got too many typos in it. <laughs> um, but yeah. when I'm writing, though, I do that. And I tell people that all the time. You cannot edit it and write it at the same time. You cannot edit. You have to tell your inner editor to go sit down somewhere, curse them out if you have to out loud and just write. Because if you edit and write at the same time, you are doing yourself a huge disservice. Mm -hmm. Right. Because you got to go fast and just like let it sort of free flow out of you. Yeah, you got to let it flow. Yeah, you have to. So just, yeah, anybody who has that level of perfectionism, that's one of the first things you got to get off of you is just write, just write. Right. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Now, you guys are so, like, I mean, awesome and such a valuable wealth of information. I cannot wait until we do this again. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, me too. This is a good, this is good. Like, like I said, everybody's kind of going through their their writer's block. I'm seeing a lot of people on social media, too, talking about it. And I think it's just this weird anxiety. So it's good that we have these other outlets to focus on. Well, not only that, I'm also trying to – I have to get myself out of a panic mode, which is what – you know, a lot of people are panicking. Mm -hmm. So we don't want to be those people. So that took me three or four days of doing nothing, you know, just being a bum, mm -hmm. reading the news and, and, and following the news and prepping our home. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. the more prep I did, you know, now we're at this spot where I'm like, well, we've got stuff and we mm -hmm. can bug out and we're good to go. And, you know, we've been 
prepping off and on since I met Lily. And mm. uh, it was something like when I when I met her, that was also one of the conditions, too, was like, we need to get ready for stuff. For mm-hmm. be- and she's like, well, like what? And it's like, you know, if we have to bug out, we need a spot to go to. Uh, you need to be able to learn how to, you know, operate a firearm. You need to learn mm-hmm. survival skills. We need to go camping a lot. So we were starting mm-hmm. an outdoor gear channel before this happened. Mm-hmm. I was going to review gear for everybody because all my friends hit me up and saying, Joe, should I buy this flashlight? Is this backpack mm-hmm. a good one? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, mm-hmm. well, let me just make a channel because you all want to know anyway. And we yeah, watch all the like. same. Yeah. And when you watch gear reviews and stuff on YouTube, you watch them all. I watch them all. Mm-hmm. So yeah. if anybody's like me, another channel's not going to piss anybody off. Everybody's going to be happy. And I bring up uh, some good insights that I don't think you really see out there. So mm-hmm. we're trying to get that up. But, but you yeah, know, it's part of our lifestyle ever since we first met and before. I yeah. always liked it. You know, grew up on Mad Max. So, I was so always yeah. So now we're mm-hmm. chilling. So now that we're here and we're kind of like a little bit more relaxed, we're going to try something. I'm going to have Lily and I split focus. Where Lily's going to be doing a lot of the Twitch uh, shows, uh, a lot of like makeup tutorials, a lot of book reviews, a lot of just hangout and chats mm-hmm. and some other things. While she's doing many of those, I'm going to do every third with you. Okay. So, or every half. I'm just hearing this. She's just hearing it. Now. <laughs> but, That's how our plans work. Right. So in the, one, in the shows that I'm not part of it, I will go in the other room and I will force myself to write. Okay. So this way we're we're getting money from the Twitch and our uh, sponsors and stuff while I'm working on our next product. Mm-hmm. Yes. And oh keep in mind, and I kind of have to sneak this in here, uh, we still have a Kickstarter active for the next 19 days. I'm 43% funded on my sci-fi space adventure, super fun adult comic Fibber, F-I-B-B-E-R. And check that out on Kickstarter. We're, I think we're going to get funded, but it's tough times out there. Yeah. Now we've got Patreon and Kickstarter. What's the web? Tell them the website again so they can get there. Oh, guys. And then there's the MightyPenPodcast.com. There's also okay. JoeValenWriter.com. Mm-hmm. We're all over the place. Yeah, there's a lot. We got a lot of stuff. You guys follow yeah, on social media. media. We'll get you all the links to everything else. Yeah. If anything, subscribe to the Mighty Pen Podcast on YouTube. That would help me out the most right now. We're we're looking by the end of the year to get uh, what is it affiliated affiliate monetized monetized. Somehow, yeah. And then on okay. Twitch, we need like a handful of followers, and we're there. Yeah, we're like halfway to being partnered on Twitch. Yeah. Which will Excellent. open up a lot of cool new. So the Mighty Pen Podcast, you can search on both. You can buy Unkillable Joe on Amazon for your uh end times quarantine reads and yes. by the way and it is guys, a comic, really good quarantine. the comic books that we're talking about you can go read for free and download you guys yes. spinwizcomics.com so, free yes excellent so that's your reading material unkillable joe you guys if you're an amazon are you on that amazon um what is it um uh what is it the premium um oh amazon you know, unlimited Yes. Yes, I think we are on Amazon Unlimited. So and if you have free. if you have Kindle, you can get it. Um, and we just put it down to 99 cents. Also, the ebook. Yeah. So we just Ooh, want everybody guys. to read it, give you guys a good deal, Quarantine something read. to uh, fill up your a couple days there. Well, and it's like the yes. type of story it is too is perfect yeah. for right now. Yeah, it's just it's a dark, good, funny. Um, I'm not gonna air this show next week. I'm gonna air it this week. Okay. 
Cool. Oh, thank you. Awesome. Thank you. We're going to add another episode um, for the weekend and, and we're going to tell everybody because my book's free just until tonight. But um, you, the people need stuff to read. You know, a lot of yes. people are just now getting back into reading and, you know, just, yeah, get this book, you guys. It's really good so far. Thank, thank you. you. Yeah. So um, we're going to do this again very soon. And um, and you guys go follow them on their websites. And, hey, let me know if you hear my voice on one of those episodes. That's how I know you go listen. You went to go listen. Yeah. To Which episode? What episode you listen to. Yes. Tell me what episode you listened to and tell me that you heard my voice. And maybe, you know, I'll give you a shout out or whatever. Yeah, it's always um, random, too. Yeah, definitely follow them, you guys, and ask questions. You know, if you guys send us any questions, I'll make sure they get them. We have a little thing where you can come back and answer questions, and um, and we'll make sure you guys stay connected with them and share what they're doing. And I just want to thank you guys again for being here. It was so enjoyable. Yeah, thanks for having me. I had a great yeah. time. It was nice talking to you. Yeah, and thanks yes. for getting me over here. Yeah. <laughs> you rock, man. You are like the iconic um, partner, business supporter, because, you know, you know, everybody doesn't have that servant spirit, you know, and yeah. a lot of people don't understand that, you know, doing for others is doing for yourself and, and, mm-hmm. you know, supporting good people and, and getting behind things. And, and you're just such a great example of that. You know, a lot of people, I, they, I, it, it, it blows my mind when you see jealousy in couples, you know, like, wait a minute, mm-hmm. you're, you're jealous your partner it's like that doesn't even right. make sense you know? well that's a couple like, that doesn't plan on staying together though because they're jealous of where they're going to be after it falls apart so that's like su- subconsciously so let, let's say you're like a rock star and your partner's a dud and they're always being jealous of your achievements what that tells you is when you break up they know what they're going to be left with and you're going to keep you know keep on keeping on so that's where i think that's coming from is they know they're not a forever partner right Mm-mm. So, Lily, what advice do you have for people? Is it is it all about self-esteem, you know, knowing your own purpose, worth? What's your advice for people so they can shake that haterade off of them and not <laughs> lose the wonderful relationship that they have with some superhero and they're on their way out the door? Yeah, I think what you said kind of hits it exactly, is if you have self-esteem and uh, a little bit of your own thing going on or just your own passions and you're sure of yourself, um, like he said, you know, when we first got together, I wasn't going to shake any of his stuff up. It was kind of the same. We were very casual when we first met up. And he was like, hey, like, let's hang out. Let's be friends. What are you working on? How can we help each other? And everything sort of grew from there. So I think um, the people that um, don't have to cut own... you off. But uh, so for all you feminists out there, you're here on the other side because he uh-huh. said she wasn't going to shake any of my stuff up and she just assimilated. But you hear her saying, yes, that's my man. And he said that. But guess what? I was doing the same thing. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. huge. Because if yeah. you know your worth, then you don't have to be jealous of anybody else or be a hater exactly. or be worried that they're going to leave you or any of that foolishness. Mm-hmm. And I've, I was also like really adamant about you having your own things. Yeah. So like I said, you know, help, you know, help me with my stuff and that'll get us money coming in. But you also need your own interests, your own things. I don't want to see you just managing my stuff and not having your own uh, hobbies, interests and even your own businesses. So now Lily yeah. has Ninth House Press Publications. Standard. 
Mm-hmm. That's a standard leader value, would you say? Would you say that that's something to do with, um, and you know, we've got all kinds of viewers, y'all. We're not putting any kind of peg on your relationship. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. But somebody in the relationship is the leader. I don't care how you do it. Because right. um, yeah. if not, you got every office, one person in the room has to be a leader. Because if not, you got everybody's bumping heads. Who's got, who's got the last say? And someone has to submit. And you have to be a leader first mm-hmm. to yeah. be able to understand how to serve or to how to submit. You have to be a leader yourself to comprehend this talk yeah. that we're talking about. Because For you're sure. always worried, you know, oh, well, what? No, you're not a leader yourself. Would you say that, Lily? Yeah, I think you definitely have to have um, like Joe's Joe's a really good leader and he does. I mean, we, we butt heads here and there, but I always give him final say on most things besides what I make for dinner or whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and of course, when not, you let him think it's his idea. Yeah. yeah yeah that too that's always that's always a fun one i'm just like, like when he says something like the literally happened the other day when he says something that i just said i'm just like i don't even argue about it. i'm just like okay yeah we'll we'll do that good idea um but no i think i think i i when it first happened when we first got together you know i really admired his passion and his his leadership and his his drive to like get all this stuff done i i like the story you know he started showing me the story reading it to me um, I fell in love with all the characters and everything. And, and I just, the other, the other key thing I think for people thinking about this, um, is being open to new opportunities, because if you're in that kind of mindset, you're not going to be jealous of somebody. You're going to be looking for those opportunities. So if somebody brings you something or somebody else is doing something, you see it as an opportunity rather than competition. So, you know, I've gone on from doing Joe's book to, I've been editing for other authors I work as a beta reader. People can just send me their stuff. I set up the publishing house that it's under Ninth House Press. So I've taken it not just in our in our between the two of us, but expanded upon that as an opportunity for me to be able to start it as a totally unique business all on its own. So I do all these services for other authors or teach people if they want to self-publish on their own. I do coaching for that kind of stuff. So I think if you have that kind of mindset of you're always open to new opportunities, um, you know, whether you believe it's God or the universe bringing these things to your life, if you're open to it, you're going to take it and you're going to roll, you're going to run with it instead of being jealous and pushing it away. Does that make sense? Yeah, God brought yeah, me to you. Yeah. Listen, <laughs> you guys, listen, we didn't mean, I didn't, we didn't know this was going to turn into, you know, a relationship advice show, but hey, it's good, it's good. And, you know, if, if, and I say this all the time, like, you know, my guy will say, oh, you know, I'm so sorry, apologize for whatever thing. And I'm like, listen, I'm not that person. One of my biggest pet peeves, like on TV shows and movies and in real life, and I, and, and even my good girlfriends know this. If you call me with some ridiculousness about your partner, I'm going to tell you to go back and apologize. One of my biggest pet peeves is when people link up with date, marry, whatever, a superhero and then get mm-hmm. mad because the person's doing superhero stuff. Like you only yeah. always want the person to be up under you. And it's like you got with this person who's amazing and doing all this stuff. How are they going to keep doing it if they're always only up in your face doing for you or you're spending all the resources or you're not contributing or doing anything to to be the Robin to to the Superman? Like what? Mm-hmm. You know, that's yeah, that's like the large right corporations model to relationships, because that's like where they 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 take they take up all the resources and move on and it's like a dead planet now. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like that's it's, it reminds me of large corporations yeah. how they do things like 
that that means that you never plan on staying with this person. You're just, you know, riding their coattails for a little bit. And then you're out and they're like, they're knocked down a peg because of it. Or, and, or you, you know. think that you're, you think that you're this enlightened, you know, save the earth kind of person, but where your relationship goes, you're like the person who goes out and every time you see a pretty flower, you have to pick it or you see some yeah. good yeah, food, yeah, yeah. You know, pick it all and eat it all and consume or, or kill whatever the resource is rather than yeah. watering right. it and fertilizing it so it can grow more. Exactly. Right. It's exactly. more about like collecting cool yeah. boyfriends or something. That's yeah. what I meant to say. Instead oh, yeah. of actually, like, like you said, you know, watering it helping it grow. Yeah. You can make more out of something instead of just being like, you know, take it and leave it. Right. And the biggest thing is I love the song by BB Rex if it's meant to be, because ultimately it doesn't matter. Things can happen. Maybe a life change. People can break up, you know, people die, but, but at least, you know, that you're always leaving people better than you found them. You're always, mm-hmm. you can always That's say you left something contributed something you help that person and even if you're not together you're not friends anymore you can look at that person and know that you did good and you helped contribute to the greatness that they're providing to the world exactly that's exactly what i said when we met yeah what i say when we break up at least right you'll be we'll, be we'll be better off than we were before yeah and that's definitely true we've come a long long I way said, yeah i said in my experience dating. nobody makes it past six months with me you probably won't either um, so let's just have a good time and try to enjoy those six months. And now we're going on almost two years. Yeah. Going on. Two, yeah. Two and a half, two and three quarters. Something. I don't know. <laughs> Feels like forever. But anyway. This <laughs> quarantine's This quarantine's forever. But, um, no, it's good though. But that's the thing. Like that, you know, I don't, n- take your expectations out maybe. And out of your projects too. How about that? Let's tie it all in. So don't eat sugar. It's bad. Yeah. And also uh, take expectation out of your projects and your relationships, and you will probably be about 20% more productive. I'm yeah. Just throwing that number out there. And a dance. Do you have you guys, have you guys been dancing during the quarantine? Um, no, I do my dancing. stupid dances to annoy her, and yeah. um, I dance with the cat a lot. But I wouldn't call it dancing. I mean, I move around in a goofy way. You like kind of rock okay, back so. and forth a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, this is the sure this is the sugar-free coach prescription for stress. Go on okay. Spotify, find, or you can go on my um on my Instagram and get the link um and get the Spellhouse playlist and it is mm-hmm. a crazy hodgepodge of heavy metal and acid and and new age and top 40 from the 80s and oldies and Mm -hmm. like foul rap and just every hodgepodge that you can think of that any person could have thought oh you know it has to do with coronavirus so it might be about you know staying away from me or you know being alone or being lonely it is like sometimes a song will come on and before you start dancing you're gonna bust out laughing but right go get that playlist and you guys prescription at least once a day for like five or ten minutes you got to dance around stupid yeah okay. and that sounds like our face we have a facebook group called let's just listen to music and Ooh. it's it's like 800 members it's not huge or anything but people just post in. random songs that's all you do all day i want so. in yeah Come hang out. Post your playlist. They would love it. Yeah. Excellent. I love music. That I can't even. Yeah, it's like, called Let's Just Listen to Music, and it's got like um, Kuma from Afro Samurai looking sad because it was like I was tired of everybody just arguing online. This was like a bunch of years ago, and yes. I just said, can we just listen to music? And I started this group where you, you can only post music and shut up. And yes. 
And I've never seen an argument, and it's been going. It's like 800 members or something. Yeah. I check in every once in a while. So Love it. I have all these Facebook groups. Um, the Dragon Say Movie Corner is another one where we vote on films, which film is better than this one. We do like tournaments. And now uh, to make it to all your groups from your Facebook page. Probably, yeah. You Actually, I'm I'm maxed out on Facebook. I think. Uh, well, you can on follow your page. Most stuff is public. Yeah, you can see uh, you, you can link see. from it sometimes. Yeah. yeah. But either way, come in the groups, hang out, and then we're gonna set up some watch parties too, where uh, oh. we're gonna vote on a couple of films, and then we're all gonna watch them as a group. Yeah. So oh, fun. Yeah, that'll be fun. fun. Excellent. Yeah. Anyway. All right, you guys. Well, I could talk to you guys all day, but I'm not going to keep you, even though it's not like we have anywhere to go. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> but you guys, um, we'll do, do this again, and we'll we'll touch back. And um, and some of the different projects I know you're connected with and I'm connected with, we're going to be working together on their, the, the Right Hot thing and all that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. So you guys will be hearing from Joe and Lily again soon. Exactly. Everybody stay safe. You guys stay safe and have a good time. And thank you so much for sharing all your wisdom with us. Thank yeah, you. Thank you. Thank you for having us on. All right, you guys, we'll talk to you again next week. Have a great weekend. Take care of each other. Be safe and, you know, be compassionate. <laughs> you want to leave us with any final thoughts, Joe? Um, right now, I would say a good call to action is to support the Fibber Kickstarter, F-I-B-B-E-R. The artist for that, Rob Powers, is actually available for work now. If you're a writer and you want to get a comic started while you're in quarantine, I have just the artist for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and then other than that, you can buy on Killable Joe. It's 99 cents on Kindle for just a good quarantine read uh, and wash your hands. Yeah, wash your hands and Chill out. stay off the Internet a little bit. Yeah, relax. No more news. Yes. News break every day. Yeah. So yes. that's that's about it. <laughs> Thank you guys so much. Y'all have a great day and everybody take care. You too. Thanks. Thanks for tuning in to Andrea in the Morning. This is Andrea Raquel, the social entrepreneur and sugar-free coach. Thank you for joining me. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in and following. I hope you've liked our page on Facebook. That's facebook.com forward slash sugar-free coach, as well as on Twitter. You can catch me on Twitter at sugar-free coach. I will follow back and reciprocate. I always do.